Open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans. I will confess I lost my, all my notes for this morning. It's a preacher's worst nightmare. So uh, we're going with uh, one sheet of paper and a couple of sentences and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and hopefully it's a lot of the latter. Amen? So the book of Romans, chapter 8, and let's look at verse 26 and 27. This is a well-known passage of Scripture if you've been uh, in, in charismatic Pentecostal churches for any amount of time. You know, I had the neatest experience Friday night. I got to preach in northern Virginia in the town where uh, we planted a church. And I preached there Friday night, and it was, a, it was just a great meeting, a totally international church as, as goes with that area. But it had been the first time in 13 years I'd been back there. So it was, just a, it was just a neat time. So thank you guys for praying for me, all the prayer partners that pray for me on a, on a weekly and daily basis. Book of Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. In my Bible, the word Spirit is capitalized because it's not talking about the human spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Okay, so we're limited in our ability to pray all that we should be praying or even sometimes according to the perfect will of God. But the Spirit Himself... Himself, personal pronoun, because He is a person. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. And we pray, God, that You just superintend this message. And Holy Spirit, come and do Your work in this house. Bless each and every person who's come this morning. All of those watching by live stream. All of those who will see this day on television, all of those overseas listening. God, we just give you praise. We pray right now, Holy Spirit, you come and give us revelation and wisdom. Open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say, and we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name, and somebody can say amen. amen. There's this term that appears over and over in the New Testament, and it's just, the, just three words, in the Spirit. In the Spirit. And in Greek, it's the term ein pneumati. In the Spirit. And I just have a, a bias here. I have a, a bias that each time I read that, I think about praying in tongues. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Because what's the difference in praying in the natural and praying in tongues or in the Holy Spirit? Paul said, I will pray with my mind. I will pray in the Spirit. The terms in Greek is in nous and in pneumati. I will pray with my mind and I will pray in the spirit. Then Paul said, I will sing with my mind and I will sing in the spirit. I will sing with my mind and I will sing in the spirit. So Paul knew that there was a rational, uh, rational way to pray, a rational way to sing. We sang like that this morning. We're singing... For the Lord has given us freedom. We're singing with our minds what words we know in English. I just prayed a prayer that was with my mind. I prayed a prayer in the English language that we all can understand. However, there is an open door that's been opened before us where we can go on into the things of the Spirit and we can sing in the Spirit and we can pray in the Spirit. 
I've been praying for this day that today many people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I pray for this day that you not leave here until you have everything God wants you to have on this day. Some people say, well, God will fill me with the Spirit when He's ready. How many's heard that argument? God's got to get ready. Well, let me tell you something. God was ready 2,000 years ago in the upper room. And He sent the power of the Holy Spirit on the earth. And the Spirit is now, the Spirit has always been on planet earth. Look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. For the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the waters of the deep. And then uh, he created order out of chaos. So the Holy Spirit has been here throughout the Bible and throughout all of creation. However, we're in a new era of the Spirit since the day of Pentecost, since the upper room experience. We're in a new era of the Spirit where the Spirit has now come to live in us. Jesus told his disciples, he is with you, but he shall be in you. He is with you, but He shall be in you. And now we're in a new era of the Spirit. Now we are a church of the Spirit. We're living in the age of the Spirit. And the Spirit is crying out through us, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. So why upper room? Well, the upper room was the place where the disciples went with 120 folks in all. And they went to the upper room after the ascension of Jesus and they stayed there until they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now John says in John chapter 20 that Jesus walked into a room and walked through the walls, the resurrected Jesus, and he saw the disciples and he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's uh, different ways of looking at this theologically. One is that the uh, disciples actually received the born-again experience which is a work of the Spirit in that upper room when He breathed on them. But they received the subsequent work of the Spirit, which is a baptism, is a fullness, is an empowerment, is an endowment on the day of Pentecost. Also, if you look at the book of Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria and preached revival. And the Bible said they were saved Spirits cried out of them with screamings and then people were healed and they received the word of God with joy. If that isn't a salvation experience, I don't know what is. So they were saved, but yet the apostles heard about it down in Jerusalem and so they sent up Peter and John to Samaria and when Peter and John got there, they laid hands on all these people who had been saved and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is another evidence of a subsequent work of the Spirit. We look at Acts chapter 19 when Paul showed up at Ephesus and he met these Ephesian believers and they had some knowledge of the gospel. They had been baptized according to John's baptism, but evidently had received the word of the gospel. And so Paul asked them an interesting question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Because he knew believing's one thing, but receiving the Holy Spirit is another thing. And so what did he do? He baptized them in the name of the Lord and then he laid hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit as a subsequent or second work. I'm preaching straight Pentecost. Somebody get behind me this morning. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, that we believe that when you're saved, you don't get it all. 
I mean, God comes and, and He's true. God is all you need, but yet God has this amazing journey planned for you where He's going to unveil more and more of His character and His wisdom and His power and His authority as you live through the years and decades of your life. And so we should always be on a pursuit of receiving more, understanding more, uh, looking for more, uh, passionately pursuing more of God all the days of our life. I believe the holiness people that came out of the Methodist movement in the 1900s were people who had a theology of more. They believed in more. John Wesley, who came to America in the 1700s as an Anglican priest and became a missionary in what was a, uh, a really a penal colony known as Georgia. And he went down there and he preached the gospel and he worked as a missionary and was very unsuccessful. Yet on his journey, either to America or back to England, on the boat he was riding with Moravian brethren from Germany. And the, Rama uh, the Moravian brethren... Uh, were out of a guy's out of a movement out of Germany under a guy named J Jacob Spainer, and they sent out something like ninety percent of all of their community as missionaries around the world. And when they were on the boat, they got caught in storms on the way back to England, and they started singing and they started worshiping. And John Wesley looked at them and he realized they have something I don't have. And he became jealous in a, in a godly way of what these Moravian brethren had. And so he goes back to England and he attends a, a meeting one night at the Aldersgate Church and he hears the preacher read a preface to the book of Romans written by Martin Luther. And when this preface was being read, he said, my heart was strangely warmed. And he had a spiritual experience with God. And then after that, he went on and taught that you can go on. That you don't have to be satisfied just with a confessional faith or be satisfied with the faith of your grandparents or be satisfied with the faith you were raised in. That you can go on to a personal experience with God. And as I meet young couples that come into our church and young individuals, I'm telling you, they're not here uh, for, for all the bells and whistles we got going in. People want an encounter with the living God. They want to encounter the real God. Everywhere I'm going, in, in conservative churches or very modern hipster churches, people want an encounter with God. People, we've, we've been wrung out and we're tired of everything that the world flashes before us and it doesn't satisfy the longing of our hearts. We realize now that we need something deeper, something higher, something more real, something life-changing. We need an encounter with God and God has come in the power of His Holy Spirit to give you that encounter. You don't have to live another dry day in your life. You don't have to live another day wondering if God is real. You don't have to live another day of boring Christianity in your life. God has come to set you on fire. He's come to light up your life. He's come to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. He's come to give you power and authority. He's come to give you joy and joy unspeakable. He's come to ignite your praise, to take the roof off your worship. Hallelujah. He's come to ignite your prayer life. He's come. Hallelujah. Let this be an upper room experience this morning, Lord. Baptize us afresh in the Holy Ghost, God. We need everything you have for us. Come on. Somebody raise your hands and say, it's me, Lord. I'm the one. Oh, put your hands together and give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. So when Jesus ascended from the dead Easter morning, Bible says he made his appearance first to the women. Remember that? And then after that, he made his appearance to the disciples. 
After that, Paul said he appeared to over 500 people at a time. It was amazing time. Saints of old resurrected and walked around the city of Jerusalem and were recognized. Think about that. The earth shook with an earthquake. I mean, the resurrection of Jesus was absolutely mind-blowing. And then Jesus appeared to them before he ascended to heaven after 40 days of being with them. He appeared to them before he ascended to heaven, Acts chapter 1. And as soon as they saw him, what did they ask? They asked the question you and I ask. Is this the end times? Is Putin the Antichrist? Is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? They were worried about what's going to happen next and all of this end time stuff. Jesus said, it's not given to you to know the things that the Father has in his control. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Stop worrying about how this thing's going to end. We know it ends and we win in the end. Come on, somebody. I read the back of the book. I went straight. Come on. I, when I started reading the Bible, I went straight to Revelation. I didn't understand it, so I had to back up and read the book of Mark. But first I went to Revelation. Why? Because we all want to know the ending of the story. I wanted the spoiler alert from the get-go. Let me know how it all ends, Lord. So we know we, end, we win in the end. We all know that. However, Jesus said, this is not what you need to be focused on. What you need to be focused on is I've made available for you Holy Spirit power now. Now you go and pray until this power comes upon you, and then you shall go be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We have a job to do. We have a mission. We need to stay on task. Now I'm giving you the authority and the power and the fuel to go forth and accomplish this mission. So what do they do? They went to the upper room. Now, I, did, I don't know. I haven't. I, I'm just going to tell you what the guides told us in Israel, okay? And the guides are smart in Israel. But I don't know uh, academically. If, if I need to research this out. Here's what they say. Some of y'all went to Israel with us, and you've been in the upper room. We had some amazing meetings in the upper room. There is a room in Jerusalem that is like the room Jesus and his disciples would have met in. Maybe it was the room. And so we've been there, and we realize that that's the upper room where they received the Holy Spirit. However, the guides told us it's also the same upper room where he celebrated the Last Supper with the disciples, where he celebrated the Last Supper. So, so if, if that's the case, let's paint this scenario then. Jesus celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples, and then they go out of there, and they go across the Kidron Valley. They go into the Garden of Gethsemane, an ancient olive press. We've been there as well. And he prays until his sweat becomes his great drops of blood. And then he asks the Father, Lord, if it be your will, take this cup. Let it pass from me. I don't want to drink of this, but nevertheless, not my will. But yours be done. And he, then he's arrested in the garden. He's taken to Caiaphas, the high priest's house, and then begins the trial and the scourgings and the humiliation of Jesus. Then he dies on the cross. He appears to the disciples again and tells them to go tarry in the city of Jerusalem. What do they do? He ascends from the Mount of Olives. They cross over the Kidron Valley and go back to Jerusalem. They go back into the upper room, and they begin praying for 10 days. And at the end of those 10 days, the Bible says, a sound as of a rushing mighty wind entered the place. And then it said, cloven tongues like as of fire. It's the licking flames of a tongue. Uh, tongues, the licking tongues or flames of a fire appeared on each of their heads. 
Then the Bible says they all spake with tongues or spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They went out on the streets and began preaching and everybody thought they were drunk. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell this church. Everybody thought they were drunk. Why? Because when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, sometimes you act like a drunk man. We believe in that here. Hallelujah. Just want to let you know that. I've had designated drivers drive me home before after revival meetings. Because I was so drunk in the Holy Ghost, I didn't think I could drive home. And y'all going to think I'm crazy as a bat. But then the Holy Spirit comes and gives them the ability then to move in gifts of the Spirit, move in the power of the Spirit. But here's something that I think that, you know, Pentecostals have taught for years, but I want people who come into our church don't understand this. There are two types of tongues. First of all, if you notice Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, they all prayed in tongues all at the same time publicly. The miracle on Acts chapter 2 is a miracle of hearing. Each man heard them in his own language. It wasn't missionary tongues. People used to teach, well, some were speaking French and some were speaking Arabic and some were speaking this. I don't believe it. They were praying in the Spirit. They were speaking in the Spirit. And then each person got the miracle of understanding it. A couple years ago, I was here and uh, on this platform, church, I preached and we gave an altar call. And I just felt the Holy Spirit on me. I started praying in tongues in the microphone. And as I did that, there was a lady on this side of the church who wrote me afterwards, messaged me on Instagram, and said, Pastor, I've heard of this my whole life, but I've never experienced it. But when you were praying in the Spirit, I heard every bit of it in English. And what God was telling me in English was something that I'd been believing for and praying for for years. At the same time, there was a gentleman on this side of the church who came out of a denomination that didn't believe in any of this. And I didn't know this till years later. He said, I was questioning all that you guys do as Pentecostals, and then when you prayed in tongues in the microphone, I heard it all in English, and here's what I heard. I'm in this stuff. God spoke to him. I'm in this stuff. Changed his life. He's now one of our great leaders in our church. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Because Jesus said in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. It's a given to the, to the believer in the body of Christ. It's your right. It's your privilege. It's a gift given unto you. The only prerequisite you need is to be born again. I'm telling you, man, the prerequisite you need is to be born again. Somebody says, well, I'm not holy enough. Are you holy enough to go to heaven? Or you're going to have to go through purgatory. And we don't believe in purgatory, just saying. No, if you're holy enough to go to heaven, you're holy enough to pray in the Spirit. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's living in you anyhow. Holy Spirit comes. Holy Spirit comes and convicts through the preaching of the Word. Then the Holy Spirit draws you to the Father. Then the Holy Spirit comes. Paul said, unless you have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. The Spirit comes and does the work of regeneration in your heart. But the baptism of the Spirit is another endowment, is an open door to the fullness, is an immersion into the things of God. You know, Dr. Elias Malky used to teach it this way. I can't say that I got a bunch of Scripture to back this up, but I loved the way he taught it. 
He said, when you're born again, your spirit is baptized into the body of Christ. When you're baptized in water, your body is baptized in water, and there's a circumcision of the flesh, Paul said. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, your soul is immersed. Your mind, your will, your emotions is immersed in the fullness and things of God. And everything changes. I'm telling you, everything changed for me when I got born again. And then the second massive life change I had was when I was baptized in the Spirit and started praying in the Spirit. So you can pray in the Spirit as a prayer language, as Oral Roberts used to call it or just the gift of, of tongues to pray in the Spirit, but then there's a congregational gift where, when God wants to speak to the congregation. And we've had that here recently when someone has the unction or inspiration to speak under the power of the Spirit. They pray in tongues. We all go silent, and you should go silent. And we listen to this message. And then there should be an interpretation of that message. And if you've ever seen the natural flow of the Spirit, we wait until that interpretation comes in our language so we can understand it. So it's kind of like tongues plus interpretation equals prophetic word because it kind of sounds like a prophetic word. Amen. Are y'all still with me? Or have I landed from Mars this morning? Are y'all with me this morning? Give me a wave out there to say, hey, Pastor, I'm with you. Okay, let me give you three benefits of praying in the Spirit. Three benefits of praying in the Spirit, because I want you to start praying in the Spirit. I want you to get into the discipline of just letting the Holy Spirit pray through you. Amen? I want you to start praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit over your kids, over your house, over your job, over your husband or your wife. Start praying in the Spirit alone. Take some time. Sometimes set a clock. I'm not even kidding you. Sometimes set a clock. So I'm going to pray for 15 minutes in the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I'll pray with my mind, and I'll pray in the Spirit. Or say, I'm going to pray for an hour today. If you have the time, I'm going to pray for an hour in the Holy Spirit. And I can guarantee you, your life will change. If you start doing that on a regular basis, your life will change. Can somebody say amen? First benefit of praying in the Holy Spirit is it helps us pray the perfect will of God. Paul says in Romans, at the verse I began, that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which can't be uttered. And so what kind of prayer is with groanings which, which cannot be uttered? I think it's praying in the Spirit. It's not talking about rational praying. He's talking about going beyond the rational mind and going into the realm of the Spirit. So let's put it this way. I go to prayer and I'll pray. God, I thank you. Lord, bless Fountain of Life Church. God, help us with this and help us with that. And Lord, bless my family and help my girls, Lord. Help little Mav, Lord. And I just pray through my prayer request. Heal so-and-so and bless so-and-so and somebody needs a financial miracle. And, and then maybe I even get into Scripture. Now, God, I thank you that you're going to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think. And I thank you that you've given your angels charge over me, God, that keep me according to your will. And I thank you that no plague will come out of my dwelling. I mean, it's good to pray the Scripture, amen? But I'm still praying rationally. And then I come to an ending when I've prayed it all out. And then I let the Holy Ghost pray through me. And he starts praying in his language through me. And the Bible says that they, gave, they did the speaking in Acts chapter 2, but the Holy Spirit gave the utterance. You provide the voice, he provides the inspiration. Some people come and they want to be filled with the Spirit, and the first thing they do is come up and they're silent. And I'm saying it's hard for God to speak through you with your mouth shut. And then others come up, and they got like so much going on. Lord, I'm thinking, God, I give you praise, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Okay, you need to calm it down and allow the Spirit to speak through you and get out of your head. 
Oh, hallelujah, somebody. And so I'll often pray for people, and I'll just say, keep to pray until you hear it, and until you start changing, till the Spirit starts changing your language. And when you start out with the Holy Spirit praying in tongues, you might not sound like some eloquent somebody. I don't even care about that. I just want to pray in the Spirit. You may say a syllable in unknown tongues. You know, my little grandson is two right now, praise the Lord. And he's saying words, and we think it's the greatest thing ever. So I came home the other day, and I'd been gone for a long time, and I walked in, and he heard me, and he came running. And he didn't say, oh, granddad, it is marvelous that you've made it home. (laughs) I've been studying Plato, and I've got some questions about his uh, symposium I'd love to ask you about. No, he comes up, and he says, Bapal. Bapal. And he comes running, and he's playing with balloons. He goes, boo, boo. And we're like, yes, did you hear what he's saying? He's got it, man. He's got it. Because we're just thrilled. I think God is just thrilled if you just, ah, I'm giving you my voice, Lord. Hallelujah. You make the syllables. You do everything else, God. I'm giving you my voice. You provide the inspiration. Come on, man. Get out of your head. Get that out of your head that you got to be like this. And I remember years ago, Jack Hayford said he wanted to dance in church. So he said he studied it, you know. He said, I kind of worked on it, ways I could dance, you know. But then when the Spirit came and he started dancing, it was none of that. Hallelujah. <laughs> I tell people, I'm dancing the Spirit, it looks like Jed Clampett, but I don't care. Hallelujah. I'm not dancing for you, I'm dancing for him. I'm not praying in tongues for you, I'm praying in tongues of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. <laughs> so the Spirit comes then, and he comes with his knowledge. He is God. He knows everything about you. Every hair on your head is numbered. Every thought, emotion, and he knows your future. So he's coming and praying. When you pray in unknown tongues, you're praying by faith. So he comes and you're praying by faith and he's praying through you the perfect will of God. So what we lack in, he comes and makes up for. So when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. Second thing, the Spirit, praying in the Spirit does As I'm telling you, it's going to take the lid off your praise. It's going to take the lid off your praise. Because the Bible says, I want you to notice this scripture, Acts chapter 2 verse 11. When they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it says, Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So they were praying in the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and the people from Arabia and Syria and the uh, countries from Africa and the other Roman countries, Greek-speaking countries, they were there and they're like, oh my gosh, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God. What they, there, was some, there was some lifting up of Jesus going on. There was some declaring, there was some praising happening. And I'm telling you, when God fills you with the Holy Spirit, you start to release that in your life. You start praying in tongues on a regular basis. Your worship is going to go to another level. It's it's inevitable. You can't be full of the Spirit of God, full of all that fuel and all that power and sit there like a doorknob. You can't do that. You can't not feel something. You can't not get on fire when God comes and baptizes you in the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. I started having times, I don't know, I was, you know, I was a proud person, raised in a family that's pretty proud, and I didn't want to show any emotion in church. I was raised, you know, like that. But man, I tell you what, uh, it changed this boy. Hallelujah. 
And then I would start having these experiences at home. I'd start running through the house like a wild man. I'd fall out on the floor. I'd shake like somebody, like an earthquake was happening. I'd pray in tongues. I'm like, if anybody sees me, they're going to take me to the loony house. I'm telling you because I just feel like it's just erupted in my life. I started, I started reading the Bible. My life changed. My parents thought I needed to go see a psychiatrist because they thought something for sure was wrong with me because it was such a radical life change that happened in my life. Hallelujah. I stub my toe on the kitchen table, no longer uh, curse, but start praying in tongue. Somebody comes by and gives me the salute with that fingers in Virginia Beach, and I no longer want to choke them. I pray for them in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let that anger be loosed in the power of the Spirit. Glory to God. Yeah, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. God's going to take the lid off of your worship when you start praying in the Spirit. In our church plant in Washington, D.C., I had a small group that met every week in my house. We had a girl and her husband uh, who were part of our church, and they came from the Chesapeake area. He was an engineer, and she, was, she had been raised in a denominational church that didn't believe in this. Well, we walked in one night, and we sat down, small group meeting, and I said, does anyone have a prayer request? She said, Pastor, I do. She said, I'm having a problem praying. When I pray, it's just like there's a ceiling above me. It's like... You know, like heavens are brass above me. And there was this, this, this Mexican lady from Texas, and she was just a fireball. And as soon as she said that, she spoke up and said, Tonight God's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I thought. Sister, would you like to start praying right now? And we started praying for her, and boom, immediately she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right there, sitting in my living room. Right after that, I saw. I said, does anybody else want a prayer for the Spirit? A dear friend of mine came up, raised Catholic. And I said, oh my gosh, here we go. He married a girl from Carolina who was raised Pentecostal. And so uh, she stayed in the background, and he came forward. And I laid hands on him, and he began praying in the Holy Ghost, sounded like an Appalachian Pentecostal. And I looked in the, in the corner of the room, and she was jumping straight up and down. Hallelujah. What a night that was. But then the next small group we had, we came back together, and the young lady said, I got to testify. I said, all right. She said, my prayer life, it's like the ceiling came off my prayer life. I've been praying this last week in the Spirit, and God has just done some amazing things, and it's like the ceiling came off my prayer life. Come on, you want to pray on the next level? Start praying in the Holy Spirit. Come on, go to the upper room. Go to the upper room and get that experience and let God fill you. Maybe, maybe you were baptized in the Spirit in 1972. A lot of you weren't alive in 1972, but some of y'all, well, you need a refilling. Come on, you need to get on fire again. You need to let God stoke that furnace again and fire you up. Praying in the Spirit helps you pray the perfect will of God. Praying in the Spirit takes the lid off of your praise. And final thing, praying in the Spirit prepares you for the future. I want you to look at the book of Ephesians chapter 6. He says something, Paul says something first of all in chapter 5. He says in 5.18, don't get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What is that about? It's somehow always related to praise. There's a spontaneous praise that comes out of being filled with the Spirit. There are new songs that come out of being filled with the Spirit. There's a singing that comes out of being filled with the Spirit. 
every great man or woman of God that I've been around sing in the Spirit. I think it's just inevitable. I remember a mentor I had in my in my teenage years, and this 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 guy took me a lot of places, took me to Israel, took me to Oklahoma. He introduced me to Elias Malky. I mean, this guy was great. And uh, I remember we would go riding different places in the car, and he'd say, "Brother Hans, let's just let's just pray." Oh Jesus, Hallelujah, Lord! And he'd start praying in tongues and start singing in tongues, and I'm like, "I'm going to join in." This is, and, and I've been around great. I, I go to prayer meetings with great men of God, and they just, that's just the same thing. Lord, we give you praise. Hallelujah. We start praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It just takes the lid off. It takes the lid off your worship and your praise. Then he goes on in chapter 6, and, and he says this. I think we, we've missed this sometimes. He talks about all the spiritual armor that we need. And then he says, and pray at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication. Pray in the Spirit at all times. With all prayer and supplication. Why? Because the Spirit knows the future. And when I pray in the Spirit, He's already out ahead of me, preparing me for the future. I'm telling you, we didn't know COVID was coming. God knew it was coming. I didn't know all that I'd walked through back in 2019 and 2020. God saw it all by foreknowledge, I believe. And I believe when I pray in the Spirit, He prepared me to walk through all of that. I believe He's preparing you to walk through whatever you're going to walk through next week, next month, next year, next 10 years. Oh, hallelujah. Think about it. When you pray over your kids in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is praying whatever they need that they will face in years to come or in days to come. I'm telling you, when we pray in the Spirit, God is preparing our church for what He wants to do in this area and around the world. When we pray in the Spirit, God sees disasters that may be, might be coming your way that He's going to avert in your life. Hallelujah. When you pray in the Spirit, God's going to prepare you for the ministry that you don't even know is going to come out of your life. When you pray in the Spirit, God has given you creative, creative ideas and creative things and He's dropping seed into your spirit so that when time comes and those doors open, you're going to be prepared for it. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray with all of your heart. Pray with all of your soul. Get alone and start praying in the Spirit. Come on. It's revival month and we're going to re- I didn't want to just preach on Pentecost, preach on the Spirit one day a year. No, I want to be a Spirit man every day of the year. Hallelujah. I want our church to be a Spirit church every day of the year. Praise the Lord. We're going into a revival month, which I pray turns into a revival fall, which turns into a revival winter, which turns into a, a revival season, which turns into about 50 more years as we're watching for the coming of the Lord as God sends revival in our house, revival to America, revival in the region. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Come on. Give the Lord a praise. I don't know. I see something turning in the nation. My prophetic friends see it turning in the nation. There's something that God is doing. My friend Ted Shuttlesworth said back several months ago he saw a a vision where the strong man over America came down. And Ted doesn't say these things lightly, but it's interesting to see the things that have started to shift and started to happen in the atmosphere in America over the past month. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you what, the scourge of Roe v. Wade, man, thank God, the spirit of Molech, rid from our, let it be rid from our country, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and bring back righteousness and bring back revival in the name of the Lord. And it's interesting, my good friend Kent Christmas said back before, you know, y'all know he received national uh, uh, 
popularity back in 2021, I guess it was. But before that, you know, we've been friends for years. He's telling me, he said, Hans, when I pray for a year, all I can do is pray in tongues. Because he'd go off in a prayer place every day and pray for a while. And he said, but every day, all I, could, all I could do for a year is I step out of the car and start praying in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit for an hour or so every day. I'm telling you, man, and I think God was preparing him for what God was getting ready to do in his life. I don't know about you, but I want to be prepared for what God is getting ready to do in my life, praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you what, I don't know what I would do without Jesus and praying in the Spirit. I don't know what I would do without the Word of God and praying in the Spirit. Because when I need an answer, I take my Bible, I go to prayer. I start praying in the Holy Ghost. God gives us scriptures every now and then. God gives me a dream every now and then. God gives me a confirmation through somebody else every now and then. And I take all of these things like buoys in the ocean leading me back to safe harbor. I'm telling you, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. God's given you the ability. He's given you the gift. Start praying in it. Let this be the year. Come on, I heard the other day a prophetic word that there's like the second part of this year is going to be double and greater favor than the first part of this year. The second part of this year started Friday night. So come on. Maybe you've not done it in the first part of this year. Let the second part of this year be a, be the six months that you really crank up the high octane praise, start worshiping, and come in this house full of the Holy Ghost. Don't come in this house saying, Brother Garner, resurrect me, please, brother. I'm on life support spiritually. Pastor, could you preach something to help me through another day? I mean, that's good, and we do that. But I would rather you come in Straight on fire. You know, I don't know. I hate to bring you this up, but it's a good analogy. You know, some of y'all used to party. I mean, I'm not pointing out things or calling names, but you know who you are. And did you know, like, when you used to party, there are those people who it took, like, a whole lot of alcohol to get them going. And then there were those other people, one drink, and they're walking in the door. Well, in the things of the Spirit, I want to be that guy. I want to be like, it don't take much. Church, let's go. I want to get my praise on, hallelujah. And you walk in and you start praising the Lord. People look at you, you're like, you're not worshiping for them, hallelujah. You're like David when Micah looked at him and said, oh, you're making a fool out of yourself. He said, listen, lady, this isn't between me and you. This is between me and God. And if you give me any more flack over this, I will become even more undignified than this. You ain't seen nothing yet, hallelujah. You haven't seen me really get cranked up. Come on, get that attitude that you said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, they crank up the music. Woo, come on, I'm going to get my praise on. Hallelujah. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Somebody's going to get healed. Somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's going to get encouraged. Somebody's life's going to be turned around. I'm not waiting to go to City Grill. I'm waiting for the Holy Ghost to come and do something that I've never seen before. I'm not waiting to go home. I'm waiting to go up. Hallelujah. I want all the power of God I can get. I want my church to be on fire. Come on, somebody give him a shout. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Give him a shout. Give him a shout like you're full of the Holy Ghost. Like God has answered all of your prayers. 
Oh, hallelujah. Give him a shout like revival's already here. Like your family's already saved. Like he's already gotten you out of debt. Like he's already paid all those bills. Like he's already answered every prayer. July the 3rd, let this be a watermark day for you. Come on, stand to your feet and just take about 60, 90 seconds and give him your best praise. Come on, lift up your hands and close your eyes and just give him a shout and give him your best praise. Thank you so much for listening today, watching with us, opening your heart to the Word of God. It's my highest honor to preach the Word, our church exists to reach people like you. That's why we exist, to be able to communicate the gospel to the entire world. God has given us such an amazing outreach here to be able to do it this way through the internet and stuff. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. So I pray that God has touched you today, that God has ministered to you, and I want to pray for you right now. If you need to accept the Lord into your heart, give your life to Jesus, or if you need healing in your body or healing in your mind, I want to pray for you right now. Could you join with me? Come on, just make this declaration. Jesus, I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. I repent of all sin, and I commit my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if you need healing, stretch out your hand. Father, for those who need a healing touch, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you heal them body and mind and touch them right now. We rebuke the disease and sickness that it's afflicting their body, and I pray for a complete wholeness. Come over them in the name of Jesus, and we give you thanks for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, give him praise right where you are. Thank God for everything he's done in your life. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. We love you guys, and it's a privilege to come to you.